Hey there, future friends. This week, we learned to train the Kraken, we learned to say goodbye, and we learned that lightning can strike twice. This is the week of July 8th, 2022, and you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that is right it is time once again for me to tell you about all of the movies coming out during the week if you are new to the show welcome i hope you like it i hope you stay and on this show i tell you about every flick coming out this week i break them up into two categories the first is the limited release section that's any movie that's not getting a nationwide or streaming release that also didn't catch my eye doesn't mean it's bad per se, it just means that based on the premise and the trailer, I don't really care that much. In that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. Maybe a thought or two, but then we move on. In the wide releases and interesting indies, those are all of the wide releases, every single one. Every release coming to a major streaming service and any limited release film that did catch my eye. In that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, and then I definitely give some thoughts about it. And then I wrap it up with a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score, which goes anywhere from a 0 for those awful, awful-looking films to an 11 for those films that make me oh so happy to be a movie fan. Basically, it's a 10 with an extra point for excitement. Well, my friends, let us not waste any more time and jump right into the limited release section with a movie called Dreaming Walls Inside the Chelsea Hotel. The end of a long upmarket renovation of the legendary Chelsea Hotel is partially longed for and partially dreaded by the artists who still live there. This film grants us access to their apartments and interweaves the past with the present. If you're really into, like, old landmarks and old New York, this could be something to check out. But for everyone else, I say skip it because there's so many movies out there. Why would you waste time on something that you aren't that interested in? Next up, we have a movie called The Road to Galena. Cole Baird has everything, but behind the facade, however, is a man trapped by his surroundings and falling ever behind in the pursuit of his life's dream. Now the rising star in Washington social circles and the youngest managing partner in the history of a powerhouse D.C. law firm, he is given a choice. Continue the path of a success in a life to which he never aspired or return to the community that raised him. The Road to Galena is a touching story of one man's quiet desperation giving way to fulfillment, a story that motivates us to travel our own roads towards a more meaningful life. This stars Amy Teagarden from Friday Night Lights, the TV show, and Alyssa Alipak from Light as a Feather. So what we have here is something basic that looks like it's going to be on Lifetime or Hallmark, uh, but instead of a female character, we have a dude. But otherwise, it seems the same. Someone who has this 
big time job, but just doesn't, doesn't feel it and wants to get back to their roots and maybe have a farm. Yay for, yay for Americana. But look, this looks boring. Even if you have the chance to watch this, there's nothing about this that says, watch me. Not at all. Next up, we have a film that's called Moon, 66 Questions. After years of distance, Artemis has to get back to Athens due to her father's frail state of health. Discovering her father's well-kept secret allows Artemis to understand her father in a way she was not able to before, therefore loving him truly for the first time. This is a movie from Greece, and to be frank, it looks boring. But if a very slow-paced foreign film is up your alley, 100% check this out. The trailer's up on the YouTubes as we speak for you to enjoy. But the trailer just gave me nothing. Like, I am a fan of a good artsy movie, of a good foreign movie, but this one just did nothing, absolutely nothing to catch my eye. And the weird thing is, I've seen the title two ways. The first is Moon 66, and the second is Moon 66 Questions. I don't know which one is right, so I did the longer one just in case. But frankly, Moon 66 just sounds like a better, more interesting movie, like some sort of old artsy sci-fi film. But this one, 100% skip it. Next up is a film called Both Sides of the Blade, a love triangle story about a woman caught between two men, her longtime partner and his best friend, her former lover. This is a movie from France, and I automatically hated it. And this is especially a case to look into as far as bad trailers go, because from the trailer alone, because remember, I get no insider access to any of this. I base all of my judgment on the trailer, which I think is very fair because a trailer is how a movie sells itself. But based entirely on the trailer, we have this really loving couple and this really doting husband, doting and loving husband. And then the wife is out one day and sees her old lover that I think she cheated on her husband with, who just happens to be his old best friend. And then it starts stirring up all these feelings, and she starts going out with him again, despite being married. And I hate stories like that. I hate it, because you could switch the genders and the everything around. It could be any mix of anything, and I hate stories like that, because they're just shitty people. So when the shitty trailer comes into play is that I would have liked any hint that things aren't good in the relationship. Because even though that's still no excuse in the case of non-abusive relationships and stuff like that, assuming everything's normal and they're just not happy, it's still not an excuse. But at least then you're like, well, okay, at least they're not happy together. But this this trailer just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I, I struggle to sympathize with someone like her, which is why that movie, The Worst Person in the World, that came out, Earlier this year, I think, came out last year, actually, and it's a Norwegian film. I just did not give two shits about her. So 100% no from me on this, but if you don't have such moral reservations about the movie, maybe check it out. Who knows? Next up, and the second to last limited release, we have a movie called Take the Night. When a resentful brother organizes a prank kidnapping... He unwittingly hires career criminals who have a plan of their own. This stars no one of note. And if, if you're going to set up a fake kidnapping for a party, A, that's just a terrible idea. It's just an awful idea. Like, don't do that. 
but also why hire people you don't know? Get some of your friends to do it. But basically with this movie, we have this guy who wants to throw his brother a birthday party. His brother's one of those workhorse types who goes, you know what? I don't want to celebrate. I just want to work. And he hires these people to kidnap him for a party. And these people are like, oh, wait, this guy's actually really rich. What if we actually kidnap him and steal a bunch of shit? And then so that's what the movie's about. And once again, we have a movie that just eh, nothing about this looked interesting. Finally, in the limited section, we're going to wrap this up with a movie called Marina. A teenage girl decides to replace her controlling father with his wealthy foreign friend during a trip to the Adriatic Sea. This stars Cliff Curtis from Training Day and Gracia Filipovic as Julia, who's the girl. So we have this weird Lolita-esque movie in which the trailer couldn't really seem which way to go. And by that, I mean, if I didn't read the premise provided on IMDb, I would not have been able to have told you what the movie was about. I like Cliff Curtis, but not enough to watch this movie. Well, my future friends, before we jump into the first break, let me just tell you about some things I noticed on streaming. So you may have heard me mention once or twice the streaming service Canopy which is usually through your local library. I think almost entirely through libraries. So you do need a library card to access it. And each month you get eight rentals and there's nothing huge on it. But I just wanted to point out that they had movies like Spencer and Pig and that Johnny Depp movie from two years ago, I think, called Minamata. Now is a perfect time to check it out since we're no longer super canceling that guy. They don't have wonderful movies, but it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, they also have Parasite, if you haven't seen that yet. The original Man Called Uva before the Tom Hanks version comes out. A Lighthouse, which I thought was absolute horse shit, But if you think you could potentially like it, it's there for free. So definitely worth checking out right there. Well, my future friends, that's it for the first part of the show. Let us jump into our only break and we will be right back. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because We're, we're Doing, doing Fine. fine. All right, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. It's going to be a short one this week. We only have four films. So let's jump into the first one, which is a Netflix release that came out on the 6th. So this came out Wednesday. By the time this episode posts, it's probably already been out. It's called Girl in the Picture. A young mother's mysterious death and her son's subsequent kidnapping blow open a decades-long mystery about the woman's true identity and the murderous fugitive at the center of it all. This is a true crime documentary. 
So white women, now's your time. A true crime, a new documentary on Netflix. Check it out. But unless you're into true crime, this is 100% skippable. I mean, here's the thing. My wife and I started to watch Unsolved Mysteries, the, the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. And it was interesting. It really was. But with true crime, I, I am never bored watching it, but I never feel the need to dive more into it. There are a lot of true crime documentaries and shows and podcasts, and it's so great for people who do love that stuff because there's a lot of content to enjoy. But for me, I'm not one of those people. So personally, because remember, the Bill score is my personal score, Girl in the Picture gets a 5.5 out of 11. So next up, we have a movie called Hello, Goodbye, and Everything in Between, another Wednesday release on Netflix. After making a pact to break up before college, Claire and Aiden retrace the steps of their relationship on one last epic date, revisiting familiar and unexpected places as they question, stay together or say goodbye forever. This stars Jordan Fisher from The Flash TV show, Talia Ryder from Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Nico Hiraga from Moxie, Ayo Edebiri from Dickinson, Jennifer Robertson from Schitt's Creek, Sarah Gray from Legends of Tomorrow, M. Hain from Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and Patrick Sabangui from The Flash, the TV show again. So we have a basic YA romance movie, or maybe even a rom-com. I think there is some comedy in it. But it's exactly one of those type of films that you know what to expect. We have this couple, Claire and Aiden, and they started dating. And when they started dating, they said, hey, let's break up when we both leave for college. Let's try not to do that long distance thing and just break up. It'll be easier for everyone. He agrees and they go about their relationship. So then it's time to leave for college and they have one final date. But then it turns out Aiden doesn't want to break up because maybe he's in love or something. I don't know. But you find out he wants more. He wants this to keep going. And she's like, that's not what we agreed on. And she gets really upset, maybe because she was trying to protect herself with this rule, that maybe she really did love him. And she put this rule in place to save herself from heartbreak by saying, yes, we know exactly when we're going to break up so I can prepare for it. And if we move forward in this relationship and try to stay together, even when we're both in college, Maybe that's the unknown, and the unknown is scary. So right there, this is very familiar. We have a young couple in a relationship with someone who really wants to be in the relationship. They're gung-ho for it. And someone else who's trying to protect themselves from the possibility of a heartbreak by ending things themselves or purposely f***ing things up somehow. Very common trope. But the thing with movies like this, which I do say a lot, and I'm going to say it again, Movies like this are so familiar that you know exactly, exactly what to expect. Even though this movie has two possible outcomes, they stay together, which I think is going to be the obvious answer, or they do break up. Either way, the journey there is going to be so familiar that based on your history with movies like this, you can say with pretty good accuracy if it's your jam or not. And even if you watch this movie and 100% guess everything from start to finish, they're cute, and these aren't meant to be movies that shock you or challenge you in some way. They are comfort movies, and I think this is going to do a good job of being a comfort film. Hello, Goodbye, and Everything in Between gets a 7. 
out of 11. All right, two movies left, my friends, and the next movie is another Netflix film. And yes, another one coming out on that same date. It's called The Sea Beast. When a young girl stows away on the ship of a legendary sea monster hunter, they launch an epic journey into uncharted waters and make history to boot. This features the voices of Carl Urban, Dan Stevens, Jared Harris, and the young girl is voiced by Zaris Angel Hator. What we have here is a basic animated movie. Something that would be fun for the whole family if you have little kids, something to watch with them. Nothing too violent or adult-themed. I mean, it is about fighting and killing monsters, but I doubt it's going to be very gruesome. Because remember, in How to Train Your Dragon, it's about also them fighting and killing dragons in the beginning. Until they learn to live with them, that's what they do. And speaking of How to Train Your Dragon, this movie gives me serious How to Train Your Dragon vibes. So much so that I think the way the story is going to go is that this little girl dreams of being a legendary monster hunter, just like her hero, joins him on this boat, and together they learn that, oh, the monsters aren't bad. We just have to learn to live with them. Or maybe they are bad, but they're being controlled by something. Like like How to Train Your Dragon 2, was that? Where this other evil dragon came up? I, I can't remember. But if you watch the trailer and you have seen the How to Train Your Dragon series, you will probably get the same vibes. And that's not a bad thing. Just like with Hello, Goodbye, and everything in between, certain movies are just comfort films. And especially with family movies like this, with movies like The Sea Beast or How to Train Your Dragon, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Shrek, Toy Story, things like that are movies that a child can enjoy, but you can also watch it with your older kids, and even yourself will probably be entertained. It may not be your favorite movie, but you won't be bored to tears. I think I mentioned recently that I finally watched Sing 2, and while I wasn't terribly thrilled with it, it really wasn't bad at all. I think the first one was still loads better, but it was fun. I think I would feel the same way about this film. The Sea Beast looks enjoyable, but highly predictable, and again, while there's nothing wrong with predictability in comfort films, it doesn't really grab me and say, watch me, unless I'm already a huge fan of the genre. And I do like animated films, but I like more out of my animated films. The Sea Beast looks like a fine film to watch with your family. And it gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, it's time for the pick of the week. And let's not play coy. You know what it is. The pick of the week is Thor, Love and Thunder. Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie, Korg, and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster to fight Gore, the God Butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct. The returning cast includes Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Chris Pratt, Karen Gillan, Tessa Thompson, Pom Clementov, Jamie Alexander, Dave Bautista, Sean Gunn, and featuring the voices of Taika Waititi, Bradley Cooper, and Vin Diesel. New to the cast are Christian Bale from Dark Knight and Russell Crowe from Gladiator. So here's the thing. We have the second Marvel movie done by Taika Waititi. The first, of course, was Thor Ragnarok, one of the best Marvel movies. So I'm not going to talk about how good I think this movie is going to be as much as I'm going to talk about theories and 
questions I have moving moving forward because this is going to be good. Taika Waititi, anything he touches turns to gold. Jojo Rabbit, one of my favorite movies of all time. What We Do in the Shadows was fantastic. Hunt for the Wilder People was a wonderful movie. He also worked on Flight of the Concords, which was a great show. Everything points to this being good. But let's talk about some questions moving forward. The things I'm going to be talking about are general comic knowledge. And as you know, it doesn't mean the movie's going to go that way. So I don't count these things as spoilers. Because as you know, the MCU picks and chooses when they follow the comics. They still use the comics as a source for all of their material, of course. But is the story going the same way? That's the question. So when Jane took over being Thor, when she took the mantle of Thor, she had cancer. And when she was in Thor mode, she was healthy. The cancer stopped. She was, she was perfectly fine. But when she reverted back to Jane Foster, everything she had done, all the chemo, everything that she had done towards fighting the cancer got undone. Which brings us a hero's dilemma. She can keep saving the world. But all the work she does towards her cancer is kind of pointless. So that's not necessarily going to happen in this movie. But the question a lot of people have, and that I've noticed as well, is that we have not seen Jane in the trailer outside of the Thor costume. We have not seen her without the activated mantle of Thor. We've seen her without the helmet, but, we, but she was still in the rest of the garb. Is that because she has cancer in this, or are they trying to trick us? Because the MCU, if they're good at anything, it's throwing red herrings at us. And the MCU is so good about that because all us creators out here who either just talk about movies or go into all the comic history, everyone helps them with their smoke screens. Sometimes we get it right. We got a lot of stuff right with Spider-Man No Way Home, but a lot of times we get things wrong too. If you remember my prediction for Avengers Endgame, I got it completely wrong. And I guess spoiler warning for a three-year-old movie that you probably should have seen anyway, but I thought that Captain America was going to be the one to sacrifice himself because his whole thing is he doesn't have a place in the modern world, and Tony has a family, so he would sacrifice himself. Tony would try being Tony but I was wrong. Along with everyone else, I figured that we would see some version of the Sinister Six in No Way Home, and we would see the other Spider-Men. All of us were right. And I think part of that is what keeps these movies so exciting, because even if you are very familiar with the comics, it can still surprise you, and even if it doesn't, it's still really cool seeing it all on the big screen. And if you have no idea about the comics, it's still really fun because it's all new to you. The worst thing for people who don't know the comics is they won't get some of the Easter eggs, like the wonderful Easter eggs and the wonderful things we saw in Multiverse of Madness. But we also can't talk about this movie without talking about Chris Pratt, because he does play a big role in it. It may be a Thor movie, but the Guardians of the Galaxy are in it. And Chris Pratt is still under a lot of fire, even though in an interview with, I believe they said it was Men's Health, where... James Gunn came to Chris Pratt's defense, saying, and I quote, It absolutely infuriates me. Chris is unspeakably kind to people. He goes out of his way to help kids. He's an especially loving father. 
And there's a lot of stuff that people have literally just made up about him, about his politics, about who he is, about what he believes of other people, you know? And look, until we actually get some proof, some hard evidence about him being some sort of secret Trump-supporting bastard, I'm going to keep my mind open. But we can't ignore the fact that a lot of people already don't like him, whether or not the allegations against him are true. So I had to mention that, but also what I have to mention is that Christian Bale did not want to do another comic book movie. I mean, now stories have come out that he would be willing to do another Batman, but only if Christopher Nolan did it. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that apparently he didn't want to do another one unless there was something meaty, some a meaty part for him to sink his teeth into. And then we were given Taika Waititi's Gore the God Butcher. Gore the God Butcher, an absolutely terrifying Marvel villain, nowhere near like the top. There's a lot worse people out there, but he kills gods because he feels like the gods betrayed him. And reportedly, there are a bunch of changes to Gore's character in the MCU, but I, I don't really mind. It's not like Gore is one of those super well-known villains where everyone knows them. Hell, even with the Joker, how many different versions of Joker have we seen? So I'm very, very excited to see Christian Bale in this role because he goes hard. If there's anything you can say about Christian Bale, he attacks each and every role. I did have issues with his Batman movies. I liked them. I thought they were really good. Do not misunderstand me, but they also weren't the best. Number two was really good. Number three, a lot less so. His Batman voice was kind of stupid. I mean, honestly, you cannot sit there and tell me that going like this all the time was a good Batman voice. Nate the Explosion, motherfucker. No, you can't tell me that. But he is an amazing actor. His performance in Ford vs. Ferrari made the movie. That should have been a boring-ass movie for anyone who wasn't a car fanatic, and it was a great film. So we have a movie with a proven writer-director, with people we know and love from other Marvel movies, with a new exciting villain and someone great playing him, and even though we may know, in theory, where part of the plot is going to go, i.e. how Jane is doing when she's not actively Thor, we have all of that, all signs point to this being a good movie, if not great. Another bonus about this is that this isn't an origin movie. So, this will have greater implications for the future of the MCU. Reportedly, Drax only has one more movie, the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and he's going to be gone. Being just written out or being killed, either way, reportedly, Drax only has one more movie left after this. And I get it, you can't expect some of these people to stay there forever, even though, God bless him, the wonderfully handsome and ever-so-talented Tom Hiddleston did say that he would be willing to play Loki as long as they asked him back. But the more that the MCU evolves, the more the MCU just moves on in time, we're going to see more people want to come and go. We're going to see people exit. We've already seen Tony and Steve, i.e. Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth exit. Black Widow's exited. So movies like this, these wonderful middle movies in between these big arcs, are going to help show us what direction it's taking. And that's why I thought Multiverse of Madness had so much potential. And it was just okay. 
But that's why I think this has so much potential too, not just because it can be a fun movie because of everyone involved, but because the sky's the limit. They can mention Kang, who is supposedly the next big bad, or they could not. They could just leave it as gore. Thor Love and Thunder has one of my favorite directors behind it. Uh, uh, Thor is one of my favorite series in the MCU, with the first Thor, in my opinion, being the clearly weakest one. A lot of people hated Thor 2. I thought it was good. I thought it had a really good villain. I thought it was a good film. Not the greatest. Thor 3. Masterpiece. Thor 4 has a promise to top Ragnarok. My future friends, this is the pick of the week for a reason. We all know it. When it comes to MCU movies like this, it would have to take something mind-blowingly fantastic to dethrone it as a pick of the week. And this week, it's Slim Pickens. And it's Slim Pickens for a reason. Thor Love and Thunder gets a 10 out of 11. And to be honest, I, I honestly don't know why I didn't get an 11. Just, I, I was going to say an 11 out of 11, give it the highest possible score, because I love me, absolutely love me some Taika Waititi, but I hesitated. And I took that hesitation as a sign that it didn't deserve the 11. 10 is still a very respectable score. Hell, 8 is still very good. But my future friends, that is it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, please check out Somewhat Nerdy Radio's newest episode where Snarf Chris calls me out as a critic. Because if you didn't know, for the longest time I fought that. Because I think critics are just bags of hot air who hate movies and just make a living shitting on films unless it's some artsy bullshit. And I'm starting to embrace that. I'm starting to embrace that. Yes, I am a critic. I critique movies, thus I am a critic. Because I think I can start to distance myself from this gag reflex I have when I think of the word critic. Rotten Tomatoes is still an awful website that should not be trusted. But yeah, okay. Snarf Chris, you win. I'm a critic. So my friends, don't forget to check out the other great shows that I am good, good friends with. Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. We're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Listen to some back episodes of the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. Just because I stopped playing the ad doesn't mean you can't listen to the older ones. And once they start releasing again, I will start playing that ad. Please follow me on every social media you can. I'm still one day going to just sack up and start a TikTok. I swear to God I will. But follow me on everything that you can find in my link tree. You can find it in the show notes. And my future friends, thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am still blown away that anyone wants to listen to me talk. And even though I say all the time I'm nowhere near the numbers I used to be in my heyday, I still appreciate each and every one of you that give me a shot. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. Give me a review on Spotify. I'd like five stars. Apple Podcasts, I would like five stars, please. And please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.